In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. Glad to have you on the show today. As we're going to dive into the mailbag. I know we've got a lot of good feedback on going through these questions that you send in and, and trying to hop around a, a few different topics on one episode. So we'll do that today with Barbara and Phil over at Pathfinder Wealth. How are you both? We're doing fine, Ben. We're doing great. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Doing well. Great to talk to you again. I know there's uh, plenty in the news this year. We have not we have not been short on headlines in 2022. Maybe That's maybe 20, 2023 will be. <laughs> A little bit smoother for us all. I know we would all appreciate that, but I know the big the big topic still continues to be inflation. It was really when the year started. It's uh, it's it's been pretty crazy at times, as high as it's gotten. But it seems like it's pulled back a little bit over the last uh, month or so. So, kind of, what are you watching right now, and what are you talking about with clients in terms of inflation? Well, it, it really is the ghost of Christmas past. Here it comes again. Um, but I'm going to read from a U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics report. Uh, they, they publish something every week called the Economic News Release. And so over the last 12 months, inflation has on the average, and this is unadjusted. In other words, they haven't looked at all the, all the data on this in November yet. But as of the end of October, it's averaged 7.7%. Last year at this time, it was averaging 6.2% year over year. So we're not out of the woods yet. In fact, it's gotten worse over the last year. The areas that were really hit the hardest, however, were in the energy section, in the food sector. Energy, um, this is incredible. Gasoline, of course, uh, we're all aware of. We go to the pump, we see what the price of gas is. Uh, over the last year, it's been up 17.5%. But fuel oil, which is going to hit us the mm-hmm. hardest when the, uh, when the, when, when the weather gets, uh, gets colder here, yeah. 68.5% up. That's incredible. I don't know how people can afford to keep the uh, the furnace going if they're fueling it with with fuel oil. But yeah. um, fuel oil goes into a lot of other products and, and uh, a lot of other industries as well. So we're all gonna feel the effect of that. However, in the food sector, food at home is up 10.9%. So I looked at a box of cereal the other day, Barb, and it was like, I think it was Cheerios. It was like six bucks or something like that. It was incredible. Compared to probably $3. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, food away from home, 12.4%. So, you know, the food sector has been hit. And again, that's the area that we feel it the most. I was talking with some friends of mine from church last night, and we were talking about, you know, what do we do about our pastors? We're coming up on the end of the year, we need to do a budget. And so uh, I suggested that we consider, you know, basically adjusting the cost of living for them by 7.7%. If you don't do that, uh, you really getting getting them a pay decrease, aren't you? They're because losing of, money, yeah. right? If somebody's making a hundred thousand dollars and we've had inflation at seven point seven percent, that means they've lost seventy seven hundred dollars of their purchasing power. Yep. They're really, if they don't get the increase to stay even, they've taken a pay decrease. Right. And yeah. if they're withdrawing money, they're going to have to withdraw more from their retirement accounts. Yes. Yes. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, currency is just a medium. You know, to to buy what you need to buy as far as uh, the necessities. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to encourage people to uh, to stay invested. You know, I've had some people ask us, well, Phil, when this market recovers, we go back up to original tops. Should we get out at that point? And the answer to that is, of course, mm-hmm. no, 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 don't do that. Really, the equities market is the only way that you're going to stay ahead of inflation long term. 
Yeah, it's we hear the 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 number, you know, seven eight percent. But uh, to your point, Phil, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like much more. I don't. I I, I right. just think about going to the grocery store and yep. I might run in for like three or four items, and the next thing I know, my I'm paying twenty five or thirty bucks, and I'm like, I thought I was just coming here for a quick trip to the grocery store. It's like, <laughs> you know, you don't feel like you're saving money by going to the grocery store right now, but it is still cheaper than. Going, going out to eat. But yeah, it's been yes. it's been a very difficult year uh, in terms of inflation. So I'm hoping that uh, 2023 can provide a little relief in that regard. But either way, I know that you will be planning for it and working with your clients sure. on inflation. So Absolutely. Yep. Appreciate the update on that. All right. Let's jump into our mailbag today here on the podcast. Again, if you have questions for Barbara and Phil, the best place to start is pathfinderchat.com. You can schedule a meeting right there through the website, but you can also call as well, 815-399-9806. All right, let's start off with a question from Alan. says, I have two rental properties and both have a mortgage on them. I have enough money in investments that I could pay off both properties, but I'm getting enough in rent to cover the mortgages. So do I even need to pay them off? Well, Alan, it sounds like you're in a pretty good position to make some profits, but um you know, this question that you're asking really kind of goes along with some of the other questions that we feel from time to time, such as, should I pay off my auto loan? Or I'm only a couple of years uh, from paying off my mortgage on my house. Is that a good idea? Or even I'm thinking about taking out a home equity loan to invest, uh, buy another property and so forth. Are all those good ideas? Well, now, if you were to ask our friend Dave Ramsey, if you should continue with the debt, what would he say, Barb? He would say, pay it off. Yeah, pay it off. Get out of debt. <laughs> Now, I've learned over the years not to be quite as outspoken and self-confident in such manners, matters as, uh, and would usually respond with, uh, well, kind of it all depends, or maybe, and we'd follow it up with the words, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about it? So, Alan, I don't uh, want to get either you or I into trouble because we didn't do our homework first. So we need to really kind of drill down and ask these questions. But it might be, after we examine your situation, that you'll get a short answer. Maybe simply, yes, keep the, keep the debt going or, or no. But uh, after we look at it, you know, we assess all that information. We'll go ahead and put it into our, what I call my bozo pewter, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it. And uh, right now, though, we'll only be able to talk about it in a general way. So first of all, contrary to what our friends and family might say, all debt is not necessarily bad. Now, I need to kind of describe or define for you what we mean by debt. Not all debt is bad. Debt is defined as owing more than you own. So let's say, for example, you're upside down on something, you owe more than you own to the bank or to the finance company. But if your properties are properly collateralized, that means you know they've assessed what it is and your value in the properties are more than what you owe. It's merely a financial obligation, not a debt, or it's a note or a mortgage. So there is a difference there. And uh, secondly, if you're comfortable with just knowing that you have the ability to pay off your mortgages because you've got money set aside, you've got cash in the bank or whatever, you know, that's great peace of mind for you. And you can always go ahead and turn around and pay it off if you need to. Thirdly, if, uh, if you seem comfortable with the reality that the rents are covering your mortgage, that's fine. But one of the things I'd kind of delve into is, you know, what are your other expenses and what is the bottom line profit for you? Is your return on investment adequate? If it's not, you might not want to hold that, that real estate. And lastly, all real estate needs to be maintained, as I've known from personal experience. And in my experience, if the profits are not adequate to offset your labor, which is you know, often the case, then you probably shouldn't be tied to that real estate. We can't really count on that real estate 
escalating in value over the years as it has in the past. So you need to take a really hard look at this, um, Alan, and decide for yourself if not only should you not pay off the real estate, but is it worthwhile holding the real estate? And so I hope that helps. So if you or anybody else that's listening to this podcast have any questions regarding real estate investing or paying off a financial obligation, I would recommend you give us a call at 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. And we could give you 15 minutes of complimentary information that might help steer you in the right direction. Yeah, you know, we've always been in agreement with that, Phil. You mm-hmm. know, let's, unless you have a high interest rate, let's say 7% plus, let the renters take care of the mortgages. Right. And also, we don't know. There's a lot we don't know, of course. You know, we don't know how much it would take to pay these off or how much of a nest egg that uh, Alan currently has for retirement. But generally speaking, I'm not a fan of taking a lump sum of money and paying something like a non-income producing asset, such as a mortgage or, you know, such as a house. I've said this before, when is the next time you'll be given a lump sum of money in your lifetime that now you're going to take and give up to pay these off? Right, right. Yeah, you're locking that money up into a non-productive asset for one thing. Yeah. Well, great question, Alan. A lot to think about there, but uh, we appreciate you sending it into the podcast. All right. How about a question from Mary next? I had kids later in life than most people, so I'm almost 60, and my twin boys will be heading to college in a few months. I really want them to be able to finish college without any huge student loans, but I'm not sure that I can pay for both of them to get through school without hurting myself financially. I'd like to retire eventually, after all. Uh, So which thing should I place a higher priority on, their education or my retirement? Mm. Mm, Yep. Mary, that's a good question, and it's very common. Parents want to pay for their kids' college without knowing what you have for retirement funds and how long you're going to work, I'll just make a broad statement and that you have about five to seven years or so before you retire. And I would consider funding your retirement as much as you can. Although I don't know, uh, of course, it sounds like you're single. And if that's the case, it's all the more reason to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Your money has to be enough in retirement to provide for you for 30 plus years. Do you know if it can do that? If you run the numbers to know if that's provided for you. Your two sons have the rest of their life to pay for their education. And since they're just starting college and you're able to contribute, if you think you're able to contribute, they can go to a local community college for two years and that may be affordable. And then their next two years, they can apply for scholarships and student loans. So the short answer is without knowing too, too much is uh, place a higher priority on your retirement. If you don't know if your retirement is underfunded, reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com for a 15 minute phone call, we'd be happy to talk with you about this. Yeah, Barb, how can you fault a mother's love? Isn't <laughs> they want to buy everything. Yeah, they want to take care of everything for the kids. And <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, good intentions, kind of wrongheaded, but right, you have to really kind of think of yourself because quite frankly, most folks can't get by on social security alone in their retirement years. Some can, might be having to eat out of cans of beans for two or three meals a week. You know, it's it's not really a very uh, quality of life in retirement the way you'd want. But uh, yeah, we we really encourage our our particular clients to take a look at uh, you know what type of obligations they're getting into. One time uh, we were talking to a client about being co-signers with their kids on some financial mm-hmm. obligations, and then of course the kids defaulted, and uh, the banks and the collateral companies had to come back to yeah. the parents for <laughs> yep. the payments, and it just it just literally wiped out their parents' retirement. So just be careful, uh, tread lightly when it comes to co-signing with your kids or making promissory notes with uh, those in the family. 
Yeah. And just make sure too, Mary, that you can uh, safely retire when you want yes. to retire before you, before you take on this obligation. Yeah. You know, we'd hate to see you working much, much longer than you expected to just because of funding their college. Yep. And I'm sure this is a, a situation where a lot of uh, parents these days are in, right? Where they mm-hmm. had kids yeah. later in life. I know I'll, I'll be facing these similar decisions in uh, in, in a 15 <laughs> years or so. So Mary, I'm right there with you, but a great question. Thanks for sending it in to the show. All right. Uh, Sherry's next says almost got out of the market before it dropped down recently. Now I'm back to where I was before. Should I just get out now? Well, hi, Sherry. Uh, you may have been the Sherry that I spoke with about this recently. And uh, so if it is, um, uh, my advice hasn't changed. Uh, the main reason for becoming an investor is to do what, Barb? Make a lot of money. Make a lot of money, right? <laughs> I think everybody says make money. But my questions are, you know, how much money do you need to make? And uh, a lot of people say, well, as much as I can, of course. Well, that doesn't help right. uh, in terms of our planning process here. We do have a process we take people through in terms of what we call post-retirement income planning. And so we have to be very precise about that. So what will the money be used for uh, that the uh, investment generates? Do you need to buy a car, a home, finance a college education like we just talked about, pay off a debt? Or as we might discuss later, provide income for your upcoming retirement. Well, the key to proper income planning in retirement, as I told you, Sherry, before, was to create a plan and to stick with the plan. So let's say that you need to generate $30,000 of income apart from your pension, which you had in a Social Security, to cover your expenses. And so that amount of money we're going to call static requirement. It doesn't change very much. So if $30,000 is Sherry's number. That's our magic number needed to fund the bills. What we need to do as planners is to build a portfolio that will give her a reasonable degree of assurance that it will consistently provide that income. And I would say probably the consistency would be right in the range of 85%, Barb. Right. For uh, any, about, yeah, it, for uh, in retirement yep. from working years, sure. Yep. 85% probability that it'll fund retirement. There are, there are ways to be able to determine mm-hmm. that. So to answer your question, no, it doesn't make sense to get out of the market if that investment is being used to fund your retirement once those uh, dollars or that investment goes up to where it was. And a lot of people feel that way. Gosh, I I might as well get out here at the high now because, well, you have forgotten what this particular investment is used for. And uh, Sherry, I would would ask you to think about it this way, as we'd mentioned to you before, your investment is really your money machine. Think of it as, as manufacturing dollars. Uh, That machine never takes a vacation, never goes on strike, never gets COVID or dies. You know, it's really designed to perpetually produce profits for you because you're the owner of thousands of shares of companies worldwide. And to pull your investments out of that uh, market, out of that investment, it really kills off, unplugs that money machine. And you no longer have the ability to create profits for yourself in the future. And uh, with life expectancies going as long as they have, Uh, you're probably going to need that for the next 20 to 30 years. So remember the saying that we use that we've shared with you in the past is people don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. And so they've got to put a plan in place. And for those of you that are listening to the podcast, if you don't have a plan in place, we recommend you come in, sit down. We can explain how a financial plan would work for post-retirees. And um, give us a call at 815-399-9806, or you can go ahead on pathfinderchat.com and get on our calendar for a conversation. You know, I think about uh, Delbar research alone answers that question because their numbers don't change. 
our mm-hmm. listeners, um, you know, we've been following Dalbar Research for many years, and they're an independent company that rates investor behavior, amongst other things. And what they research is the average holding period for an investor. And I've been following Dalbar Research for almost 25 years, and the investor's return is not improved. So they buy, they're buying at the top, they're selling at the low, and they're getting about 4% returns. Uh, compared to the S&P only, if you, if you, it's not even a diversified portfolio, right. it's 500 U.S. stocks. If they just invested in that, Bill, they would have had a 10% return. Sure. So daily news makes people act irrationally and make quick decisions. Um, but like you said, Phil, investing is a long-term plan. It absolutely is. Thanks for that question, Sherry. All right, got time to squeeze in one more. Let's take this one from Lenny. He says, I'm embarrassed to ask this question because I know there are people who have actual problems with money that would love to be as fortunate as I've been. But I'm wondering what you do once you're in your 70s and realize you have more money than you'll ever be able to spend. I have three kids, and I guess I'll probably just inherit all of it. But in a weird way, I'm almost sad that I didn't get to enjoy life a little bit more along the way instead of working so hard to save up all this money that I'll never use myself. Well, Lenny, congratulations for being in the position of having plenty of money. That's right. And since 70 is the new 60, is that right, Phil? Did we just uh, The new 50, Barb. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 70, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 70 is the new 50. All right. You can, you, you know, you can enjoy plenty more years ahead and hopefully you're healthy. Well, the first question I would ask is, do you have an estate plan? Do you have a trust or will? That is a must for many reasons. First of all, you can leave money to your kids. Did you know you can do that tax-free to them? There's a way to do that, and, and it doesn't have to involve life insurance. Uh, secondly, are you charitably inclined? You can set up your estate plan to go to various charities. You know, if you're passionate about any specific causes, whether it be animal groups, you know, your local church, veterans, etc. And thirdly, since you said you're in your 70s, if you're not already doing this, you can give up to $100,000 from an IRA account and it's excluded from taxable income. If it's done properly, the money goes to the charity and you don't add that to your annual income. Typically when people give to a charity, they receive a deduction from their taxable income, which isn't much of a tax savings. And especially now with a high standard deduction, very few people are even itemizing. But this option is called a qualified charitable distribution as long as you're at least 70 and a half. Lenny, if you like to travel, you could go and visit the world mm-hmm. and when, when, you know, uh, just while you can if you're healthy and meet new people along the way. You have several options also for being charitable while you're alive so you can see how your money is being spent if that's appealing to you. Proper estate plan, taking into account these ideas would be the first thing that I would consider. What an estate plan does for you is it puts you in control. So it, you know, you're the one that's in control while you're alive and you control the outcome upon your death. Yeah, along with that, Lenny, I, one of the things we have to understand is that you could either be helping or hurting your children with regard to leaving a large amount of money to them. That's right. And one of the ways to test kids, and we've actually done this with our clients, we recommended they do this particular gifting uh, program where they would give a child you know, a few thousand dollars up to the gifting limit if they wish, not direct the children as to what to do with it, not suggest anything, let them decide for themselves what they want to do with that particular monetary gift. And then after a year goes by, ask them what they did with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the ones that basically uh, went ahead and invested that money, they're the ones that we're going to recommend get the bulk of your estate, right? <laughs> <laughs> the ones that spend it on cars and uh, paying up bills. Yeah, yeah. Vacations, that kind of thing. We're only kidding there. But really, it might be worthwhile to uh, to kind of solicit your kids and find out, you know, what their intentions are. 
And like Barb says, gosh, you know, you accumulated this money, you, sla- you slaved and you, you went ahead and you were very diligent about investing it and saving it and so forth. Enjoy some of it, for yeah, heaven's sake. Exactly. Sakes. Yeah, that's Yeah, I hope that you do find some time to enjoy the money. That's That's for sure. Yeah. So important, so important, and that's why you want to do the proper planning to hopefully, you know, not get, end up in that situation where you have more money than you'll ever spend. So you could have enjoyed a little bit of that beforehand. But I'm glad you're asking that question, Lenny. We appreciate it, and, and glad that you're in that position as well. All right, that's all the time we have for questions on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. But please send yours in to us, and we'll be happy to try to get them on the show on a future episode. You can send them in. To us, uh, either by logging on pathfinderchat.com, you can get in touch with uh, Barbara and Phil right there through the website, or you can call directly 815-399-9806 is the number for Pathfinder Wealth Management. Barbara and Phil, always great to dive into the mailbag. Thank you for answering the questions for us today, and we'll do it again soon. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.